Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great grace. We thank you for the love that you've shown us in Christ. We thank you that we can gather together in this place. That we can worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we just pray that as we are gathered here this morning that you would be with us that you would lead and guide us as we worship you, as we sing praises unto you, as we give offerings to you, as we hear your word proclaimed. God, help us to, to know you more. Help us to experience the power of your love and grace toward us in Christ. God, we know that, that in our midst there are many who are sick in our community, many who have been suffering, and God, we ask that you would give them comfort and peace and grace even this morning. 
that they would know you, the power of your resurrection, the power of your spirit, and it would strengthen them in a time of heartache or despair. God, I pray that you would help us as a church to be faithful, to be faithful each one of us individually as we follow you, as we walk in reverence before you. But God, as a church, that we would be one. That you would, God, lead us forward in the mission that you have. That we would make disciples, both the people here and to the ends of the earth. God, I pray that you would, you would work in such a way, God, that we would be light in a dark community. God, that we would be hope and, and share hope, God, to so many who are far from you. God, we know that there are many out and about in our community who you want to save, who you are going to save. And God, we pray that we would be a part of that ministry. God, let us never shy away from what you have for us. But God, let us be found faithful today, every day going forward, and until you return. Let us be found faithful as we follow, God, the great commission that you have given us. God, help us as we go to live for you and you alone, to, to set aside our preferences and our goals and our ambitions, and God, to serve you. And God, we ask that this morning. In the holy and precious name of your Son, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.
Father, we come to you this morning and we just thank you for love that surpasses all human understanding. Father God, for a love that reached out thousands of years ago, that saw our need, Father God, for a Savior and saw that there was only one way to redeem all of humankind. And Father God, it was not an easy path. In fact, it was a huge sacrifice, Father God, that you would give your own self, your own perfect self, to sacrifice for us. Father God, greater love has no man seen. 
Father, this morning we pray that we would not take that love for granted, but that we would be emboldened by that love. Father God, that we would be people that desire your will in our lives and your will for those around us. This morning we pray that you would help us to hear your message, that you would let the words penetrate our hearts, that they would permeate through the walls that we've built up, Father God, and that it would just break down anything that prevents us from doing what you've called us to do. Father God, we pray that you'd give us ears to listen, Father God, hearts that desire change. And ultimately, Father God, that you would help us to have the love that you had for us in our hearts for others. Father God, we just love you and we worship you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Well, good morning. If you're uh, going to Children's Church, you can go with Pastor Lore. If you'd like to go to Children's Church, go with Pastor Lore. He's fishing all the way in the back in the balcony. And just, it was a long cast. Although I think it's quite unfair to act like you're fishing when it's 40-some degrees outside. No one can't none of us go over there and stand the river. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 10 this morning. Acts chapter 10. As you're turning there, uh, I just want to mention uh, kind of a, a word of thanks. Uh, Alan uh, talked earlier about uh, kind of how the Lord had had protected him through COVID, and uh, I want to just kind of thank you all for praying for our family. It's the first time uh, that we've all been uh, at church in a month. Uh, I think we, we've all had COVID. We've all recovered from COVID. We've all quarantined and all that fun stuff, and so, um, so we're thankful. Um, uh, so many folks reached out to us uh, while we were sick, and so we're just thankful that we can uh, be back and, and gathered in worship, and uh, I guess, um, as my doctor put it, you'll have it and you'll be done with it, and so um, I'm certainly glad to be done with it, and uh, um, so I, I think uh, after having been one of the folks that actually had you know, symptoms, and uh, I, I don't know how you decide on mild and, and not mild, but uh, um, you know, I'm certainly glad uh, that uh, we have taken um, COVID seriously as a, as a church, um, and I know that has not been without difficulties of its own, uh, but um, uh, one day I'll stand before God and give an account of everything I've done as a pastor, and I don't think that one's going to be held against me. There's plenty of others, um, but I'll, I'll take full credit for that one. Um, Acts chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 1, but before we do, I want you to to think about uh, this question. What if God 
wants you to do something that you've never done before. If we look at all of our lives, I'm sure that we would all find at various points something that we have done that has been quite unexpected. Uh, something we have done that has been out of character uh, for us and, and who we thought we were. You know, if you, if you spend a little time and think about it, there are things you've done and others have looked at that and went, wow, I never thought Michael would do that. And I'm not, I'm not thinking about the things we've done where we've really disappointed people, right? Okay, because we, we've all done that. But, but I'm thinking about the things that we have done uh, maybe it's something you tried. Maybe it was a, a food you ate. I, I'll give you an example in my family. So as, as you all know, a um, uh, number of years ago in 2014, uh, right at the end of my first year here, y'all sent me to Thailand. And maybe there are folks thinking maybe he won't come back. But, but I did come back. But while I was there, um, I took my dad with me. And my dad is the pickiest of eaters, right? I mean, my dad, my wife's shaking her head. I can see that without my glasses on. My dad is a picky eater. And I wondered how my dad would survive. And so we go to Thailand. We land in Thailand. They take us out in this village out in the jungle day one. And we go and sit down in this, this small um, thatch hut. And they start laying food down. And I got to tell you, I didn't eat everything. You know, they tell you if you go on a mission trip to, to eat, no. Because there was stuff I wasn't going to eat. My dad, he dug in. And for the whole time we were there, if they said it in front of him, he ate it. We were, we were, at one point, they made a pot of this stuff, and they said that it was, it was spicy squid. And I said, I'm going to wait. In fact, there was a, a Dairy Queen, I don't know why, but we were in the middle of nowhere, and they had a Dairy Queen in this grocery store. And so I ate, I ate blizzards every night and that got me by. But dad dug in. And I wanna tell you, for me, as his son, at that point his son for 30 some years, it was quite unexpected. Because that's out of character for my dad. And so the question before us as we go through this text this morning, what if God wants you to do something you haven't done before? What if he wants you to do something that is quite unexpected? How do you respond if that happens? Stand with me this morning as we reverence God's word together. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. I'll tell you, I'm going to read a lengthy passage this morning, but, but I believe this is, this is the word that God has for us this morning. Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius... And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. 
When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier among them, among those who were attending him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. The voice came to him a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. And while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out and asked whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise, go down, and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And he talked with him and went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked them why you sent me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. You may be seated. If God wants you to do something you haven't done before, something you think even maybe you shouldn't do, how do you respond? How do you respond? Go to the next slide for me. What if God is calling you to do something unexpected? What if even today God is wanting you to do something Maybe he has placed it on your heart for a long time. Maybe it's something fresh and new, but God has called you to do something in his service and you haven't done it yet. Or you've been thinking about not doing it. If God does that in your life, how do you 
respond. Because what we have taking place here is something quite unexpected. Peter did not expect that when he went to the roof of that house and began to pray, that all of a sudden God was going to show him this vivid image of this sheet that has come down from heaven holding all of these random animals and telling him to kill, or the word there means sacrifice, and eat it. That was not what he was expecting. It seems unlikely that Cornelius was expecting that in his time of prayer, God was going to send an angel. Because trust me, Cornelius was not the type of guy that expected to receive an angel. We read that he is, we read that he is God-fearing, but he had not went all the way. He was not fully committed to God. He had not made a, a full profession. And yet, in both of these instances, God does something quite unexpected to accomplish his will. This morning, I, I, would, I would encourage you to ingrain that question in your mind, and not only this morning, but, but in every day going forward. What if God wants me to do something today? Or rather, I know God wants me to do something today. What if it is something quite unexpected? What do we find out about this, this calling that ends up placed in Peter's life? Well, first, in verses 1-8, through eight, we see that God is often at work in unexpected people. We see that this centurion who is here, he is a, a great man, he is a man with some power, he is devout, he is God-fearing. And, and remember, we just saw that term in the last chapter. That, that term God-fearing is, is of the utmost importance because God has called his people to walk in the fear of the Lord. And so here's a man who is fearing God, him and his whole household, he is, he is generous to the people around him, but he is not the usual type person that God has been saving. Here's a man who prays continually, and yet in the whole scheme of things, it's quite unexpected that God would call him. Because God has a, a special relationship with a people called Israel, and yet here's a man that is outside of that relationship. Here's a man who could not enter into the temple and worship freely. Here's a man with so many restrictions because he is not fully committed to God. Even though he's done these things and that would be somewhat respected, there was still a lack of fellowship that could take place because here was a man who had not followed through with the covenant. Here was a man who was uncircumcised. Here was a man who had not went all the way with God. And yet God is preparing his heart he is an unexpected person in the scheme of what God is doing. And yet God is preparing his heart for something tremendous and great. You know, too often we would look at a person like this and say, you know, they're pretty good. We wouldn't even think of this person as really being ripe for ministry. This is not really the type of person that we need to go and, and witness to and share our faith with. This is not the type of person that we need to invite into a relationship with God because well, it looks like he already has it, right? He prays. He gives. He fears God. I mean, we could honestly look at that and say, you know, there's a lot of Christians who don't do these three things. 
There's a lot of people who claim Christ and, and they don't pray continually and they don't give generously and they don't really fear God. And yet the desperate need of this man's heart is a relationship with Jesus. I want to read for you how one commentator puts it. He talks about how the, the giving and the praying are good because God hears them. They were acceptable to God. Even though this man has never heard about Jesus. And yet, the reality is, and, and this is where he picks up, nonetheless, Cornelius needed Jesus, and the recompense made to him was the knowledge of the Savior. He needed him. Cornelius' religion was no substitute for Christ, but was the occasion of being led to Christ. His praying, his giving, were not a substitute for following Jesus. We need to understand that in our relationship with God, showing up, which is a big deal right now, right? Showing up is still not a substitute for knowing Jesus. Giving is not a substitute for knowing Jesus. Praying to God when things are difficult. You know, you find out that you're sick. It's easy then to turn to God and say, God, save me. God, heal me. But it's not a substitute for knowing Jesus. And yet in the prayers of this man and in the giving of this man, God comes to him in a vision from an angel and tells him that he needs to go and get this guy Peter because there's something else that he needs to hear. He needs to hear about Jesus. And so here God is at work in this most unexpected person. Friends, there's a lot of people outside of these walls who we expect would never do anything for God. God's never going to call them. They're so completely enamored with their sin that, that nothing's ever going to happen. They're never going to turn from their sin. They're never going to give up their sinful lifestyle. They're never going to do that. And so we just don't expect that God's ever going to work with them. They're not, really wasting, they're not really worth wasting our time. Because it's never going to happen. And it's even led some churches and some denominations to begin saying, well, since those people are never going to come over to us, since those people are never going to turn from their sin and believe in Jesus, let's just, let's just say that they're okay. And then they'll feel better as they die and enter eternity separated from God in a place called hell forever. But friends, the reality is this man is most unexpected. And so far the book of Acts has been about unexpected people coming to Jesus. This man named Saul was a terrorist of the church. And what does Jesus do? He goes to him and he calls him in. This Ethiopian eunuch, he is, he is very unlikely to follow after God because, I mean, he's a royal official in another country and they've got their own gods and their own religion. and He's never going to follow and yet he asks, well, why can't I be baptized when he sees the water? God is at work in the lives of unexpected people. And so what we need to do is do away with the notion that there are unexpected people. 
You and I need to to walk away from this idea that there's some people that are really never going to follow after God. There's some people that are too far away from Him. Friends, we need to just expect that that's who God may be working. That that person you know, that co-worker you know, that, that they live a life of sin and they love it. Friends, it may be that God is at work in their life preparing them to meet Jesus. Some of you can look at your own life and realize that you were once an unexpected person. No one ever looked at you and said, wow, they're, you know, that guy, that guy's going to be a great Christian leader one day. No, they looked at you and said, no, he's going to die in a ditch somewhere one day. He's going to end up in jail and spend the rest of his life. He's never going to amount to anything. She's never going to accomplish anything in her life. She's never going to be anybody. She certainly is never going to be part of the church. There's people that looked at you and saw that, and yet God has brought you here today, even if you were an unexpected person. So we need, to, we need to get rid of that idea in our mind. We need to, to remove it from our mind that we look at people and say God is not going to do anything with them because that is probably the very person who God is ready to work in their life. Here's the reality. People aren't coming to the church and coming to faith from some nominal moral belief system. You know, where they look and they say, okay, I'm pretty good. I don't really need the church. That's what's infected the church, in fact, is a lot of people thinking they're pretty good, and they could be pretty good whether they follow Jesus, they could be pretty good whether they follow Mormonism, they could be pretty good whether they follow Muhammad, they can be pretty good whether they follow their astrology charts and their new age mumbo-jumbo, whatever it is. They realize they could be pretty good and live a pretty good life and be fairly productive and be comfortable without it. Friends, it's those people who we think are going to die in the ditch who realize they are sinners in need of a Savior. They realize they are not good. They don't pretend to be good. And yet we can point them to how they can know the one who makes us righteous before the Father. God is often at work in the lives of unexpected people. And you and I would do well to better understand that. But what do we have to do to get to that point? Go to verse 9. We have to realize that God decides what is true and good. Here here in verses 1 through 8, Cornelius is called. He obeys what God has told him to do. And then picking up in verse 9, Peter is there and praying. The very one who Cornelius has been told to go and investigate, he is there praying and he's hungry. It should not be lost on us that in his hunger, in the the need that he has, God sends him a vision about that need. And something like a great sheet is descending, let down by the four corners. We We can visualize this in our mind. And on that sheet are all types of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And he is told, sacrifice, kill, and eat. And Peter's offended. Nah, Lord. I ain't doing that. You happen to remember that not too long ago when Jesus talked to Peter, he said, you're going to betray me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter's like, oh, I ain't going to do that. That ain't going to happen. I'd never do that, Lord. 
And then a rooster starts crowing and he remembers he just did it. So again, Peter, he's still, God is still molding him and shaping him as he does to all of us throughout our entire life. And when that sheet is being let down, and God says, this is yours, eat it, you're hungry. Don't worry about what they're fixing you downstairs. I'm providing you this right now. Take it and eat it. Peter says, no, I'd never do that. I've never ate anything unclean. He's still holding on to kind of that religiosity that he had before. If I, if I just do enough good works, God's going to be happy with me. I, I can't eat that. It's, it's unclean. I, I shouldn't have that. And yet God says, what God has made clean, the voice coming to him, what God has made clean, verse 15, do not call common. Now realize that this is not just about food. And if we simply see this vision parable that is taking place here as just about food, we're going to miss the point. He's not talking about just food being clean. He's talking about the fact that God is going to send his message to people who are considered unclean. See, in Peter's mind, the, the message so far has been to the Jewish people, and this is a, a reform of the Jewish religion. They're going to fix the problems of the Jewish religion. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. But now the command has been given to him that you're going to go to all nations. But guess what? The Jews are pretty scattered out. So we could go to the Jews in all nations. But God in this moment clarifies that the message of the gospel is not simply for the people that are considered clean. In fact, he says, do not call common. Do not call unclean what God has made clean. In a time of prayer, he has this vision shown all of these animals to sacrifice, but he is reluctant because the command is something unexpected. And yet we must realize that God decides what is true and good. God decides what is expected and unexpected. That is God's call and not our call. We are not the ultimate deciders of truth. We do not get to decide what is true and right. God has made that decision. God has made that call. And it does not change. It does not change no matter what has happened. What we understand, and if you look at the Bible as a whole, God has been working toward a redemption of people from every tribe and tongue and nation since the beginning. Since the fall, God has been at work. It was not simply that the Jewish people would be redeemed. But God is creating for himself a new nation, a new race, a new people that belong to him. And so when we see people far from God come to him, it should not be unexpected to us because that's what God has done and God is doing. And while Peter is inwardly perplexed, we read in verse 17, unsure of what it all might mean. When he shows up at Cornelius' house and a whole group of people have gathered, it's not just Cornelius, his family, his friends, he has brought them all together to hear what Peter has to say. Peter realizes when God was bringing that sheet down from heaven full of all of those animals, he was reminding me that there are many in the family of God, many coming into the family of God, who I did not expect. So God decides what is true and good. 
you and I need to, to wrestle with this reality in our life, especially in the time in which we live. Because the world is calling things true that God has called false. The world is calling things good, which the Lord has called bad or sin. And what we need to understand is that God is the arbiter of what is true and good. And our responsibility is to share what is true and good with everyone that we encounter. And what happens if Peter ignores God here? You know, we often think about Paul being the apostle to the Gentiles, and yet it's Peter here that has this this revelation from God, that has this, this encounter with God where he sees all of these animals and he's told that things that were once considered unclean have been deemed clean by God. And so he goes... And he shares with those who were far from God, even though, again, a man prayed and he gave alms and he seemed to have fear of God. He did not know Jesus and therefore he still had no hope. But Peter sees his need and his responsibility to go and share with him that good news. We need to make sure that we are allowing God to decide what is true and good in our life. We need to make sure that God is the one who decides what is true and good for our church. True and good for our families. True and good in our teaching and preaching. God has made that decision. Not us. We are called to take it to those who have been made clean by God through Christ. We are called to take it to those who who desperately need to hear this news. Friends, this has become lost on us. You know, Peter could have, when he met this guy, said, well, you know, you pray and you give. That's, that's pretty good. Why don't we just, you just keep doing that. Now, what we want people to encounter is Jesus. And know that Jesus is enough. Jesus overcomes their immorality. Jesus overcomes their greed. Jesus overcomes their sin. And so we let Jesus decide what is good and what is true. Peter was reluctant because he'd never done that before. He, he, had, never, he had never had where, where God, God told him to do something that, that he just wasn't comfortable with doing. He, he had not been there before. He couldn't eat. He couldn't sacrifice these animals because they, they were not the right type. They were not the right ones. They were most unexpected. And yet God tells him, I have made this decision. This is what is true. And Peter follows. And then we see a third as we pick up in verse 19. We see that obedience is always the right choice. Obedience is always the right choice. Peter is pondering the vision. He's, he's trying to figure out what is going on. So, so we have the, the, the guys show up and they begin to ask for Peter and Peter is still pondering what is happening. What is going on here? What, what is God telling me with this vision? The Spirit came to him and said this, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise, go down, and accompany them without hesitation. Without hesitation. Well, why would Peter... Uh, be hesitant. 
Lots of reasons going on here, right? These are going to be Gentile guys. That's a reason to be hesitant. He's never seen that before. These are important men. These are officials. There's a soldier with them. Remember, persecution has been going on. Hardship has been going on. And now some guys show up at your house with a soldier, and they want you to come with them. A lot of reasons to be hesitant. A lot of reasons to be afraid. But because obedience is always the right choice, Peter is told by the angel, do not be afraid. Or rather by the Spirit, tells him, do not, do not be afraid. They're looking for you, go without hesitation, for I have sent them. And so he went down. He goes down to them and he, he says, I'm the guy you're looking for, how can I help you? And they say, Cornelius, again, wait a second, this is not a Jewish guy. A centurion, he's a soldier. He's an upright and God-fearing man. Yeah, but he's a Gentile and he's a soldier. He's been directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house because he's supposed to hear what you have to say. And what does Peter do? He invites them to come in. It's not even his house, right? Peter is a guest at somebody's house and he invites some other guys to stay there. And they get up the next day and they go to Cornelius. And what happens? When, when he comes in, Cornelius falls down and begins to, to worship him. Here's a great moment. We can receive the glory for ourselves, right? I had a guy who was at a, an event this, this week on Tuesday and I went in and sit down in the back and all of a sudden a guy came up to me and was like, hey, are you so-and-so? And, you know, they... They put my picture in the Baptist paper and stuff like that now, so people do that. And, and this guy, this young guy that, that had invited me to, to have supper with he and his family before, um, he said, uh, he said do, you like, uh, do you like people doing that? I said, yeah, I like people doing that. What are you talking about? Of course I like people doing that. I love it. It's great. I get to be a minor, minor, minor celebrity for like a few months. Of course, I'm eating it up. But it's easy when, when that does happen, when something good happens, when something positive happens. It's good to take, take that, get a little pat on the back. Peter's case, get a little worship from a guy. Think, remember, this is a soldier. He took no nonsense. He was in charge of part of the army. And he falls down and worships at a fisherman's feet. It'd be hard not to, to, to like that and enjoy it, but, but Peter deflects. He lifted him up and said, stand up, I am a man too. In other words, I'm not, I'm not an angel, I'm not Jesus, I'm just a person. A person who's been called there to obey. And that's what he does. He obeys. He found people waiting to hear the good news. He comes in, he talks with Cornelius, he comes in and finds Cornelius has invited his family, he's invited his friends. They're all gathered and they're eager. They're gathered for that purpose. This is a preacher's best friend. When you show up somewhere and everyone is ready to hear the word of God, it's easy to preach at that point. It's easy to talk. It's easy to stand up in front of people when, when, you, when you sense that eagerness. And that's exactly what Peter finds, is people gathered together. He found many persons, verse 27, as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered together. 
he tells him, he says, listen, you know it's not lawful for me to even be here. I'm not supposed to associate with y'all. But God has shown me that I'm supposed to be here today. Paul would talk about that reality in Galatians 3. There's neither Jew nor Greek. He realized that, that in Christ, that distinction, that, that racial and ethnic distinction has, has been erased. Because in Christ, there's one family and one faith and one race and one nation. So he says in verse 29, when I was sent for, I came without objection, without fear. I asked then what you want. And Cornelius tells him about the vision that he had, that he had experienced and, and tells him about how he had, he had seen this, this vision and he was told to, to contact him. And what does he find? Now therefore, in verse 33, end of verse 33, now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded by the Lord. In other words, we want to hear about Jesus. We want to hear about Jesus and, and who he is and what he has done and what he has for us. That's what they want. They want to hear about Jesus. Friends, when we are obedient to God, we will find people wanting to hear about Jesus. When we are obedient to God, we will find people wanting to hear about Jesus. Will everyone you encounter want to hear about Jesus? Certainly not. But let me tell you, there's a world out there, I don't know if you realize this, but there is a world out there outside of the walls of this church that is lost, full of people who are hurting and depressed and in despair. They are lost and on their way to hell. They are lost and in desperate need of a Savior. You know these people. As I say this, there are names coming to your mind. If they're not, you need to expand your circle of influence. Because there are a lot of lost people out there who need Jesus. And when we are obedient, we encounter people who Jesus is preparing. When Peter was on the roof of that house in a time of prayer... Not, not in a time, God, show me the next place to go. We don't read that that's what's happening. We actually are reading that he's praying, and he got hungry, and so he calls down, hey, can you fix me some lunch? And as he's sitting there hungry, God, God interacts with him. God sends his spirit upon him. God mesmerizes him to this truth that there are people out there who need Jesus And to clarify what that vision meant, when he opened his eyes, there are some guys knocking at the door saying, we want to talk to Peter. When he comes to Cornelius' house, he found people wanting to hear the good news. Friends, that's the obedience we need to have in our life. For we are looking for people to share the good news with. And can I tell you that we really ought to be spending our time sharing the good news with people who have not heard it a million times? I'm not saying that people who have heard it a million times should not hear it for the millionth and first time because that might be the time where God changes their heart. But we spend a lot of time trying to share the good news with people 
who have already heard it a bunch of times and ignored it. And yet here, I'm not talking, listen, this is not a sermon on missions where you need to go to the other side of the world, even though there are a lot of people there who have not heard. There are a lot of people here who have not heard. But we spend a lot of time trying to share the good news and beat the good news in and over and over and over to people who have heard it and said, eh, I don't care. They're content maybe giving, giving some alms to the poor and, and praying some, but they don't really want to hear the good news. Because the, the good news would mean that they have to radically transform their life. That their life no longer belongs to them, where they can do their own thing, but their life belongs to God and He can do with it what He wills. We need to be spending our time with people who have never heard the good news. They've not been in a church service where somebody preached to them out of the Bible. They've not had mothers and fathers who have prayed for them and shared with them how they can know Jesus. When Peter shows up at that house because he was obedient, God said, go, don't be afraid, I'm sending you to these people. He goes and when he shows up, he finds all of these people gathered together in that room wanting to hear the good news. Why? Because obedience is always the right thing to do. It's always the right choice. There's a pastor in Canada today. He's sitting in jail. The government there put restrictions on his church, and he said, we're going to meet anyways, and I'm going to preach. And they've told him, we'll let you out of jail if you'll stop preaching. And there'll be people debate, well, he could just do this, and he could have 73 services, and, and they need to wear more masks or whatever. Here's the reality. He's convinced, based on this book, that his people need to gather together and hear the word of God. And you can, you can parse that and cut it however you want, but that's what he's been convinced of by the scripture. And guess what? That's because that's what the scripture says. And yet he's sitting in jail this morning, not at church because of it. He chose to obey God's word. And there'll be people, there'll be people who believe the Bible, who try to make excuses for this and that as to why he should have just given in. But here's the reality. The conviction of his heart was that obedience is always the right choice. So here's the question for us. Is obedience going to be the right choice for us? Are you going to say, I'm going to obey God no matter what? Because it's always the right thing to do. And trust that as you obey God, he will bless you he will minister through you he will use you for his kingdom if you will obey him peter knew that he was called to the ends of the earth he did not realize that that was not that far away And this, what we're reading, and, and you may not even realize this this morning, but I want to make sure you know it. This thing we are reading here is a pivotal moment in the history of humanity. You say, well, I, I don't, you know, it's just Acts chapter 10 and there's more and 11. Friends, this is the point where God makes it clear that his redemptive work is to all people everywhere. Because we, and I think everyone here, but most everyone here, is not a Jewish person. You have Gentile origins, probably from somewhere in Europe. 
This verse, this passage tells us that the, the message of the gospel is for us. That, that God sent His Son not only to save the Jewish people, not only to be a Jewish Messiah, but to save us as well. And in this pivotal moment, everything changes. Peter, as we'll see next week, will see this man and his whole family come to faith. He'll see his friends come to faith because he was obedient. God called him to go to a man who was quite unexpected. It is not where Peter thought he would end up when he left the house of Simon the Tanner. He didn't, he didn't think it was going to be the next stop on his journey. But it should not have been unexpected because Peter has been called to go to the ends of the earth. So the question is, if you're put in Peter's position, how do you respond? How do you respond? How do you respond if God calls you to go to someone who is unexpected? If today God is laying on your heart someone who is lost and on their way to hell, and He's saying it is your responsibility to go to them. I'm calling you to them. I'm calling you to that co-worker who you don't get along with very well. You, you may have to love them for a while. You may not get an audience with them just by walking in and saying, brother, let me tell you why you're lost. Might not work out so well. It might take hard work. It might take sacrifice. It might take heartache for you to do that. But how will you respond if God is calling you to that? Friends, we have to commit this morning to going where God calls us to go, to obeying God and going where He sends us without fear and full of joy, no matter where it is. Often, when I'm talking to people and they'll talk about going where God sends them, they've always got a place they don't want to go. And they'll, they'll mention it. Like, as a preacher, I'm going to be sympathetic. You know, I, I'm cool if God calls me to, you know, to ministry in a church. Or I'm cool if God you know, calls me on a short-term mission trip. But I, I just don't want God to call me here, somewhere. It's often somewhere that's, that's not very fun and it's hot and it's poor and they have a different skin color than the person I'm talking to. But friends, that's when my heart's desire is that God would call them exactly there. And some of you are thinking, man, I've shared that with the pastor before. Did he pray that God might send me to Africa? Yeah. Friends, we had to shut down because God sends us out, not because people stay at home, right? Because, I mean, that's what some people are doing, right? It's not sick, it's not whatever, they're just staying at home. And that's, that's on them. They've got to stand before God in judgment on that one day. But what if God emptied us out because God called half the men in this church to be pastors? Half the families in this church to be missionaries? Oh, I didn't get any amens there, Ned. Would you go? You can come up with a million different reasons. Listen, most Christians wouldn't go because they won't go across the street and talk to their neighbor. They won't talk to their coworker or the person at school. So no, God's not going to send you across the world. So you're safe. And yet, if Peter, the fisherman, the man of low skills, 
The man who denied Jesus, if he didn't go with that soldier and those two guys back to talk to Cornelius, we'd all be going to hell right now. You say, oh no, so, no. This is the pivotal moment when things change. If Peter doesn't obey, the, the man who is leading the church, if he doesn't obey, what's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. We don't have a, a country. We don't have a church. We don't have a faith. We're all just heathens going to hell. But this man was obedient. He committed to obeying God and going wherever God sent him. We need to never forget that God is right now, right now, God is preparing someone's heart to hear the good news. But friends, if he's sending you to share the good news and you don't go, who is going to go and tell that person? God is preparing the heart right now of one of your co-workers to hear the good news and he is calling you to go to them. And we'll keep hanging out with our Christian friends and ignoring that guy and he'll go to hell and we'll stand in judgment for it. He was preparing Cornelius' heart and he sent Peter and Peter preached the good news and many came to faith. But he is right now preparing the hearts of many people who we know, many people who we interact with to hear his good news. Will we take it to them? Because if not, what are we here for? If not, we're just wasting our time. If not... If not, we're not doing anything different than the people who are sitting at home this morning getting ready to watch the race or whatever else is on and have no thought of ever stepping foot inside a church. We are no different than they are. If we have this good news, which we say God has come to his people he has pulled his people out of sin and death. He has given his people life everlasting. We will spend an eternity with God in heaven because of Christ. If we truly say we believe that, if we truly do believe that, and yet we sit by and watch others go to hell with no concern, how are we any different? Because we're going to go to heaven? Friends, I wouldn't put a lot of stock in going to heaven if you care nothing of telling anyone else about Jesus. You can walk an aisle, I can baptize you every Sunday, but if you have no concern for telling someone about Jesus, don't count on walking that aisle and going through that water to get you anywhere when you stand before God. Because the people of God have been transformed by the power of Christ and we will share the good news with a world that is lost, dying, and on its way to hell. How will you respond? How will you respond today? Because today, God is calling you to obedience. Today, God is calling you to respond. There are people being prepared to hear the good news. God is, not God might, God could, God is calling us to go out and to share that good news. Friends, we get so worried about what's behind, we don't worry about what's ahead. 
We worry about what we used to do, what we used to be, friends. What is ahead is that God wants to see people saved through the power of Christ. And he's called us to do it. How will you respond? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you've given us hope and peace and grace. God, this morning, we know that you are calling us. We know, God, it's not maybe, it's not that you could call us. God, you are calling us. And God, I just pray that we would obey. God, we, we weep. We weep for those who started on the journey and then... God got out those who have been choked out by the world those whose roots were not deep God we our heart breaks for those God we pray that you would work in their life but God we also pray for those who have never heard and pray that we would be the instruments you would use for them to hear There are a lot of people around us who have religion, but they have no Jesus. They have practice, but they do not have faith. And God, I pray that we would be obedient when when you send us, and we know you are sending us, that we will answer the call. That we'll share with people the good news. We'll share with them the truth that that you love them and care for them, and if they will turn from their sin and follow you, you will save them radically, transform their life. God, I pray that you would send to our church, send to our midst, send to our our circles of influence, God, many, many unexpected people, many unexpected people where we can rejoice, not in them coming to church, but God, in them coming to faith. Not of them being here, but of God, their place in heaven being assured. God, I pray that we would be obedient to that. We would be obedient to your call to go and make disciples, to go and share the good news, to go and see lives transformed. God, help us today as we go to obey the call you've placed in our life. We pray this morning in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to join me as we're going to sing this final song. How will you respond? God is preparing the hearts of many people. Even now, even as we are gathered here, God is preparing the hearts of people far from us. It may be far from us across the street. It may be far from us to the ends of the earth. But God is preparing hearts. How will we respond?
God is calling you. Not somebody else, not the guy next to you, not the lady next to you. God is calling you to be obedient. If you're young, if you're old, whatever it is, whatever place you are in life, whatever employment status, whatever excuse you can make, God is calling you. How will we respond? Will we get on our face and cry out to God to to reveal to us these people so that we can can see them and know them and, and, and interact with them and befriend them and share with them the good news? Will we do that? Will you pray that, that God, that person who's on your heart, that God would open up every door and calm your nerves and give you hope and peace so that you can share with them the truth? What are you going to do with what God has said? What are you going to do when you walk out of here with what God has said? Will you respond to His word this morning? So we sing.
I want to thank you for coming to worship this morning, and as we uh, go, um, I just hope we'll remember the call that God has. There's unexpected people, people you would never think, and yet God is at work in their life, and He's wanting you, He's sending you, He's commanding you, not just wanting, He's commanding you to go and share with them the good news. I just hope in that we'll be obedient to do what He's called us to do. I hope you'll stay for Sunday school as we continue to study God's Word. The adults here and uh, the youth in the youth room, kids in their kids' classes. One adult class, so that'll all be uh, in here uh, in the sanctuary and start in just a few minutes. I hope you'll come back tonight as we're studying uh, through the Bible together. We had a, a great group uh, last week, and uh, we'll be uh, still early on in Genesis, so you can jump in and, and, and listen and uh, participate as we see how God is telling His big story. Uh, to us. And so I want to pray for us and we're going to be dismissed. I hope you all have a wonderful week, but I hope in that wonderful week uh, you'll obey what God has said and see if he will not bless your obedience. But there'll be people waiting to hear that you would have never expected. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for truth, peace, and love. We thank you that you have, have called us to yourself but God, we know that you're calling many others. And I pray that we would be obedient in going to those people. God, to everyone we meet, to, to the most unexpected, to share your good news. God, guide us on that journey. Help us to be found faithful. And guide us and lead us as we go. As we pray in Christ's name. Amen.